This is Changing Channels with Larry Walsh, the Channelnomics podcast that connects you with channel chiefs, thought leaders, and executives about what it takes to get the next generation of tech to market. Here's your host, Larry Walsh, the CEO and Chief Analyst of Channelnomics. Hey everyone, it's October and that means it's Cybersecurity Month, that time of the year when we're reminded that 12345 is not a good password and then we immediately dismiss changing it. I've been in and around security for about 20 years. I started my tech career in security uh, and I remember, actually I'll even go back further than that, go back to my days in college when I experienced my first security incident. And when I was in college, somebody gave me a C, a, not even a CD, a disc, okay, now I'm really dating myself, that had a virus on it. And somebody had to come along with this thing called Dr. Solomon's to clean it up so I could access my files. And, you know, and it was really kind of like that for a long time. If, you know, I go back to when I even started when working at a security magazine in 2000 is that you know, we were dealing with the, uh, with the uh, after effects of the love letter virus. And that was like the first big propagating incident where you had, a, you know, I remember watching the news saying that there was $5 billion in damage worldwide and thousands of computers were knocked offline. And it was always kind of like, you know, even if that pervasiveness, it was still somewhat localized and we could always contain the effect. And it's not so contained anymore. I mean, even over the past 15 years or so, we've seen security actors change their methodologies, that they are more interested in stealing or you know, stealing or manipulating data than they were in just doing disruptions. Uh, and it's actually become more pervasive, but it's only recently that that security threats have actually started to have a real human impact is that when you start seeing the effects of things like ransomware attacks where they are actually putting people's lives in dangers this is where we're starting to see where the threat condition is evolving where it's no longer something that's contained within the virtual world it's something that is evolving into the physical world or the hybrid and combat area so you start to see that where you know when we start talking about how security really matters then we're really talking about how it matters to all of us. And it's one of the reasons why I have our guest on today, because she really does have some interesting perspectives on why security matters to the human condition. It's our friend, Wendy Thomas. She is the president and CEO of SecureWorks, really one of the leading managed security service providers uh, in the world. So Wendy, welcome to Changing Channels. Thank you, Larry. Great to be here and good to see you. Great to have you as well. So, you know, one of the things that you've said in setting the new mission and objectives, the vision for SecureWorks, I think I mentioned to you when we were preparing for the podcast, that I remember SecureWorks when it was, you know, really a small startup and walking through its, uh, its security operations centers going, wow, this is it. And now look at you here today that you're actually looking at security and your mission through the lens of, you know, securing human progress. And I really thought that was a, an amazing way to describe the mission of security. Can you elaborate on that? Sure, thank you. Very personal to me. We took a, a very intentional approach to crafting that mission statement because as you talked about, the impact of security, it's no longer even identity might have been stolen. That's very impactful. But now we are talking about security that impacts people in broad swaths and really meaningful ways. It, it impacts their ability to, to live their daily lives. And so when we talk about securing human progress, by progress, we mean basically that a, that a customer can focus on fulfilling their mission, whether they're a, a hospital trying to conduct surgeries or a school that's just trying to stay up and running. 
Um, so we want to make sure that security is an enabler, not an inhibitor to those organizations continuing to do what they do. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, a couple of years ago. Um, it could be longer. I don't know. I've lost track in COVID time. Uh, I was at the uh, the World Fog Conference and talking about fog computing, I, and they were explaining to me what fog is. I'm like, okay, we have clouds, we have edge. Why do we need fog in between? And they're talking about the difficulty in data transmission, that bi-direction between getting data from something like a an autonomous car to a controller. And thinking about that is like, you know, exactly what we're, what you're describing here. It's not just people doing their jobs. It's we've become so reliant on the digitalization of the world, the technique, the pervasiveness of technology that we've almost taken security for granted. We absolutely have. And our reliance on that, uh, kind of like the light switch always going on as soon as we flip it on, has become uh, incredibly pervasive as well. Our ability to work, especially in a remote environment, um, to, to stay connected with, with our family. It's, it's just a completely different um, ballgame in terms of our dependence on things remaining secure and up and running. What what made you as a, you know, as the incoming and I should mention that you're relatively new in your position as CEO of SecureWorks. What was the evolution or the thought process that led you to securing the human evolution? What was it that made you think about your operating sphere as being beyond the data center? There are a few a few things at play there. One is that we have been in this space for for 20 years watching how the adversary operates. And essentially what we have seen is that <clears throat> when you have individual security point products in place, the, the adversary always finds a way to weave in between the, the weakest point in those controls, right? They only have to be right one time. We have to be right 100% of the time to keep them out. And so while it's very important to put the first line of defense in place, good hygiene, no one, two, three, four passwords and that kind of thing, we know it doesn't happen. And so what, what we saw as the answer to truly that last bastion of defense was a holistic approach to, to two things that are very important. One, the ability to detect the adversary no matter where they were in a customer's ever-evolving environment, especially in, in the days of, of public cloud and, uh, and endpoints, checking in, checking out. Uh, this, and the second one was once you've detected that, to automate the response because the speed is absolutely of the essence in evicting that adversary before they can steal your data, deploy ransomware, do the real kind of damage to the organization that shuts it down. And so using technology to have both that holistic visibility to cross-correlate detections across an environment to only look at what matters, and then to automate the response to that with kind of the knowledge of best practice workflows is this XDR, extended detection and response approach to security that we envisioned five years ago. And so if, if you think about, you absolutely have to secure an organization's ability to operate, period, full stop, then having that last bastion of defense to keep them up and running to secure their, their progress is, is what we're all about. It's the outcome, it's not the effort, it's, it's what you actually are able to do for those customers. I can appreciate that. It, you know, the one of the things that I, I don't think people appreciate is what you said is that you're absolutely right. I've said the same thing many times is that a, a security practitioner has to be right all the time. Um, 
a hacker, whether whether they're you know a four hundred pound guy in a basement in New, in New Jersey or Russian mafia, uh, they only have to be right once, um, and they can move as slow or as fast as they want. They can do you know they have they have all the luxury in the world when it comes to when it comes to being on offense. The defense has a very hard time at it. The the signal to noise ratio is almost impossible. At least that's the way it's always been presented. Is that you know how do you take this endless stream of alerts and and log entries and discern from the signal to noise what is actually a threat, what is actually an attack, and you know or at least what's an attack before you it actually escalates to the point of where it is something that's damaging. Uh, and what is just the background noise of the internet? How does how do you and SecureWorks approach that? If you think about solving these persistent security problems that you just described, it is really a big data challenge. And so when we designed our Tejas XDR software, it was purpose-built with just the kind of things that you described in mind. And so we view the chance to leverage our knowledge around the telemetry that comes from across leading security point products and different technologies and use data science to normalize that data, cross-correlate across those, reduce the noise of those alerts to those that matter most based on our knowledge of the threat, and then prioritize based on an understanding of the customer's assets and environment that are involved. And so this, this sort of um, data science approach to data ingestion and the architecture of the platform is a really, really important thing. The second piece is the breadth and depth of the detectors and analytics that actually focus in on what matters. And that's fueled by us being in the security fight with customers every single day, right? We do thousands of incident response engagements, uh, proactive adversarial attacks for customers, and we take everything that we learn about that and make that machine readable software each day. And so the platform gets smarter, it gets higher fidelity in terms of its alerts, and we run, um, build and run playbooks that then automate the response to those, um, those incidents. So again, humans only have to focus on the most complex sort of new, um, new alerts, new investigations that come up. And that helps scale the team that's trying to fight the fight. So when you when you show Tejas to your clients, and you show what it can do in terms of this extended detection and response, you know we've been having this evolution of te security technology that's supposedly getting better at doing this level of detection, this level of automation, um, and it seems we always come back to the same story: is that they're surprised at what you find. They surprise. They're surprised at the things that are hitting whatever's left of the of their perimeter or what's even inside their network. Do you still find that there is that there's still illusion? of security uh, from what the previous state was? There is unfortunately always that illusion of security because the lack of visibility, um, whether to things that individuals have done that have uh, weakened the perimeter, if you will, or a lack of visibility to an increasingly ephemeral um, you know, DevSecOps environment means that it is very difficult for a CISO to, to absolutely know that they have everything covered, um, everything secured, everything configured with uh, proper administrative rights and access. So 
it is it is just very important to to have a partner who can come in find those gaps and weaknesses in an automated way uh, quickly advise on how to remediate those and then again place that last bastion of constant ability to see and, and detect those gaps in security um, so that you you don't have to come back and repeat the process again yeah yeah one issue that always that just seems to not go away is the security talent issue mm-hmm. that there's you know we've the numbers are to me are almost meaningless in terms of the number of attacks and the number of incidents it's a lot you know and anyone listening in on this i you know i learned this lesson early on in my career is that it's you know a security breach is not a question of if it's a question of when we're all going to experience it at some point it's in and nowadays i think wendy you probably agree that's it's the important part is not just trying to mitigate the incident from happening but how do you respond from it but this comes down to the talent issue is we are at a deficit of security professionals. There just simply aren't enough of them out in the world. And you see numbers ranging from tens of thousands to millions of open requisitions that we just can't fill. How does a service like SecureWorks fill that gap? Do you see that as being one of your value propositions? It is, and you may accuse me of bias, but just most organizations, they absolutely should not be going it alone in security. It's, it's frankly unrealistic for, for most organizations from both a, a cost and just a feasibility perspective to staff a, a full security team even before the, the great resignation happened. Um, and so SecureWorks tackles this really on two fronts. One, technology, obviously our Tages platform, I'll explain a little more about that. And two, scaling and accelerating the development of security talent. So from a, from a technology standpoint, we talked about this a bit, it's about automating the repetitive, um, but in a best practice way workflows uh, for all your investigation containment actions. And, and two, making sure that the analysts are able to focus on just the things that really pose real risks, right? So you, you use their time wisely and scale, scale your resources, whether you do it in-house with a partner, um, you know, collaboratively or you completely outsource it. For us, the second really interesting thing is about building the bench. And so we have been directly providing very efficient and effective security services for years. And we thought to ourselves about this challenge, who better to create a a program and a curriculum to really to guide and train and certify others to become managed security service professionals and providers. And so as we um, developed that vision, we thought about, all right, how do we um, take advantage of a, of a true need in the marketplace, leverage the technology that we've built for automated detection and response. And we launched a, a MSSP program earlier this year that essentially said to managed service providers, technology experts, if you are interested in, in an adjacent opportunity to provide services the security side for your customers, who better to partner with than someone that can help you build a great offering, um, leverage technology that we've built, and get to market faster by training with SecureWorks. So we really think this is a great opportunity to build 
scale, solve a big industry problem, and, and create a great business opportunity for partners at the same time. You know, it seems though that that security is on everybody's uh, everybody's keyword list. Um, you know, if we were still playing uh, in you know technology jargon bingo, uh, security would probably come up. You know, as one of the one of the big point words. Uh, I, I look around and I see I see vendors, technology vendors that attach security to their value proposition and their messaging when they have barely anything to do with it. And I see security vendors, and I'm not going to name any, who go out and recruit partners uh, because it, it's they're another point of sale, they're another source of revenue. Mm-hmm. We've often found though that partners, even for those that call themselves MSSPs, managed security service providers, have a limited amount of capability, a limited amount of capacity. Do you see SecureWorks as being those sources that can help offset even some of the capability limitations that may exist in your channel? Absolutely, because when we talk about a service that's powered by SecureWorks Tagus, we absolutely want to be able to stand behind the, the quality of that service that a partner is providing. And one of the ways that we think about this, not just in terms of the curriculum and the certifications that we provide, but also in terms of the service design and enablement with partners, is the crawl, walk, run, right? What... You don't just start off with opening up and operating a 24 by seven SOC if you've never provided security services before. So you first help customers uh, onboard onto the platform, use the platform, maybe help them integrate uh, via APIs into uh, an unusual in-home application that they have that they wanna be able to secure. And and with us, in terms of partnering with, with our team, different models, team embedding and and collaboration or or sock in a box types approaches with partners, we can very much create a turnkey opportunity for them to progress into full uh, managed security services that we feel good about um, enabling partners to provide in the market. So one of your previous positions at SecureWorks, you know, you I will say, Wendy, you have an impressive resume, but one of the things that really stood out to me is that you stood up your customer success practice at SecureWorks. Um, can you talk a little bit about the evolution of, of that development? What prompted SecureWorks to actually think about customer success in a, in a material way that it had to, to form a unit to help to help your customers achieve success with your, your services? And, and then let's talk you know, about how that translates out to your channel partners. Sure. As you think in customer success for us is partner success and customer success. That is one one team and everything that we learn from from having served customers directly, we use to enable our partners. But fundamentally, security starts with trust. And that trust is that you're going to deliver a secure outcome for customers. And so um, we know that great security outcomes result when we're very proactive around our customers and partners' security practices. And that means that their adoption and use of XDR, uh, full understanding of the trends and threats that we see in their environment, even their industry and more, is very important to help them constantly curate and mature their security program, their practices, their team. So part of the customer success um, elements are we hold 
quarterly security management reviews to demonstrate both the, the efficacy of the security they're receiving and the return on the investment that they're making in Tejas and can use that to, to sort of champion security inside of their organization as, a, as, a, as an enabler of their business. Because in short, what we see is that our customer success team helps partners and customers with advice, training, and support when we see they need it, as opposed to waiting for them to ask for it. And that truly does create a higher probability of secure outcomes for them. Do your partners contribute to that insight? Is that are you know, because they're the ones typically who are in the trenches with your customers? They're the ones that are in the intermediaries and helping the customers to maximize the benefit of your service, but also interpret what your service is doing for them. Yeah, you know, how do they play into feeding you those insights so that you can continue to, you know, progress in the way that you deliver security services? That can happen a lot of ways, but I'd say there's two main ones. One is clearly we can see the technology and data in the various tenants on the on the platform and glean insights from that that continue to improve the, the capabilities of the, of the platform. So the more customers they bring onto the platform, the more diversity of those types of customers, therefore the diversity of attacks that we see, it just helps helps all of us get better. But the, the second one that, that is very helpful is that we take a very transparent approach to several things. One, our roadmap. And so we have something called Product Board that lets partners and customers and our own employees contribute to asks of our um, products. And it's not just that they can contribute, they can watch it move through the process and see the timing of when that's going to be available. So that's one way we just create a very deep embedded, good circle of, of improvements with our partners. And the other one is that we're very transparent with our um, capabilities and our learnings around the threat. You can see our, our mappings of threat actors on our website. You can see every single tactic, technique, and procedures in the MITRE ATT&CK framework that our, that our um, platform covers. And so when you have that kind of transparency and build that kind of trust, it just creates a great cycle of sharing, knowing that something good is going to come out of that with partners. I, uh, I'm constantly looking into the future. I, you know, and I have a hard time keeping myself grounded in the past because I think that there's a wonderful world of opportunity ahead of us. That may sound a little silly to say, you know, to hear somebody say, oh, look at all the great opportunity. Well, you know, sure, it's a bit of a cliche, but it's true. But I also see that the world is becoming increasingly dependent on digital resources. So mm-hmm. what is it that, where do you see your, your services, your channel going over the next decade? What is the evolution of your mission going to look like? Um, or put it another way, what keeps you awake at night and keeps you innovating? So the thing about security is that it has to not just evolve with, with the digital transformation, technological transformation, it actually has to anticipate it in order to, to determine how to secure it and stay ahead. And the good news is that also creates new opportunities for services, to, for partners to provide around that. Think about that in a few broad categories. One, clearly the underlying technologies that we're responsible for securing are evolving. And to your point, it's a great thing. Digital enablement, it's a win-win for customers and businesses. Cloud has just opened up 
a pace of innovation that that wasn't able to to happen before. So these are these are good things. We just want to make sure that they stay secure. So we um, actually talk with partners about well, what does this technological shift imply for our ability to have visibility and actionability around security? What new attack surfaces does it open up for the adversary? And therefore, what are the customer needs going to be around um, helping them secure those emerging attack surfaces? So I think there's a big opportunity there. The other thing that I, I see is an interesting opportunity in terms of convergence is that I think there's a growing need for services that support the convergence of what are today fairly separate IT operations, security operations, and, and DevOps into a much more integrated DevSecOps services approach. And I think we're very well positioned to help work with our partners and our customers to look ahead and design and deliver services with that, that future in view. So those are the two big trends I see. However the trend lines unfold, we certainly know it's going to be interesting and security is going to be a, an omnipresent need. Wendy, we're just about out of time. I do want to ask you one last question. As I said, it is October. It is Cybersecurity Awareness Month. So the hardest question is the last one. Which is which do you like more, Snickers or Three Musketeers? Oh, Snickers, hand down, hands down. Love peanut butter, love peanuts. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. The answer we were looking for was Reese's. So no, <laughs> no treat for your Halloween this year. Everyone, thank you. Know, join me in thanking Wendy Thomas for joining us, the CEO and president of SecureWorks. Wendy, it's a pleasure having you on Changing Channels. Thank you very much. Great to see you. Great to have this conversation. And for everyone else, thank you for joining in yet again for another episode of Changing Channels. Uh, you know, I want to say that I do this podcast because I really enjoy talking with people like Wendy and also getting feedback from all of you. And, you know, the thing I just want to keep telling you is to keep asking questions and keep, you know, keep looking for change. Change is what keeps us innovating. Keep Change is what keeps us, as Wendy said, progressing forward. So join us again next time. We'll look forward to having you. Thank you for joining Changing Channels with Larry Walsh, a production of Channelnomics, with the support of our production team at Modern Podcasting. If you've enjoyed today's episode, hit the like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and share with your friends. For more information about Channelnomics services and insights, follow us on Twitter and YouTube, and check out our website at channelnomics.com. Channelnomics is a registered trademark of and Changing Channels is copyright by 2112 Enterprises, LLC.